The April 20th Mindful Parenting Retreat Day is filling up fast. Join me and other parents in Wilmington, Delaware for a day of rest and relaxation, mindfulness and mindful communication practices, and a live podcast too. And my special guest for the live podcast is, drumroll please, Lynetta Willis. You know her from episode 366 and 400. She is a psychologist and sought-after speaker who teaches her Triggered to Transformed program to struggling parents. Join us and bring a friend to this powerful day-long retreat in Wilmington, Delaware on April 20th, 2024. But hurry, space is limited. Go to mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat to get your spot now. That's mindfulmamamentor.com slash retreat. You're listening to the Mindful Mama podcast, episode 80. Today, we're talking about how to deal when the world gets ugly. Welcome to the Mindful Mama podcast. Here, it's about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. At Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you are thriving, when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm your host, Hunter Clark Fields, Mindfulness Mama Mentor. I coach overstressed moms on how to cultivate self-awareness in their daily lives and take family and life to a new level of awakening. I've been practicing yoga and mindfulness for over 20 years. I'm the creator of the Mindful Parenting Course, and I'm the mom of two girls, ages 7 and 10. So I just want to let you know, dear listener, that this is a special episode. I didn't plan on doing this episode um, until the world got crazy and the world got ugly. And I have an interview planned for the episode that was going to come out at this time, but I decided to shelve it uh, or put it, we'll put it out next week. And I wanted to invite my friend Carla Nomberg on to talk about some ways that we can respond when the world gets ugly. We've been in a time, and this is, if you're listening to this a real time where we've had some wild events happen in, um, Charlotte's, Carla, help me out here. Come back in. <laughs> ah. Charlottesville. Charlottesville. I had a brain fart. And, and we had, we, we've had white nationalists. We've had all this stuff happening. So anyway, what we want Carla and I are going to talk about today is a little bit about how you can deal yourself with the craziness of the world. And we're going to also talk a little bit about how to talk to your children about things like this. So I hope you get a lot out of this and we're going to invite your feedback and your, your talk and things like that. But, um, let me let my dear friend Carla introduce herself. Thanks, Hunter. I'm Carla Nomberg. I'm a clinical social worker, the author of two books on mindfulness and parenting. And I have a private practice uh, just outside Boston where I live. I work with um, parents um, in my private psychotherapy practice. And I'm also the mother of two daughters ages seven and eight. Awesome. Thanks so much, Carla. Um, so, you know, normally we have all sorts of like, Carla cracks me up, but today we're not feeling so hilarious uh, because it's just been a crazy time. And and uh, just to give you a little backup to this, dear listener, I mean, it was interesting because I was away on a vacation when all this stuff went down. And it was interesting because there was I went away on a vacation with my dear friends who uh, of the father is an African-American man and the mother is a white woman and with my also with my family where my brother is a, a white man and my sister-in-law is an African woman and 
So we are have, having this whole like multiracial bliss happening, American melange of mixed up goodness and just having fun boogie boarding and having family time and breaking up kids squabbles and, you know, running along the beach and, and all this was going down. And then when I came back, I kind of started to just like look into see what was really kind of start to watch some videos and start to see a little bit more, uh, inform myself a little bit more about what's going on. Not that it all wasn't coming in. There was lots of conversation, but that's kind of the background for me. And also we're going to talk today about some ways to kind of keep you grounded as a listener and help you deal with these times. And we're going to talk a little bit about how to talk to your kids, but I also, um, you know, we come from a perspective. I just want to say in the minute, beginning here that we come from a perspective where we're two white women talking about this. Um, so we, I, you know, don't necessarily have the perspective of somebody who's, um, you know, an African-American person seeing it from that point of view. So I just want to put that out there and we're not provide, we're not saying we have all the answers. We just want to give you some ideas to help you get through this, uh, these times when things go crazy. Yeah, that feels really um, this. First of all, Hunter, I want to thank you for offering up this opportunity for us to have this conversation uh, for our listeners. And um, I also want to acknowledge that, you know, this has been a crazy time for me, too. My family and I were on vacation last week. We were in Washington, D.C., and it was it was uh, confusing and and hard to be our nation's capital, but also joyful because I'm I'm a really I'm proud to be an American, and I also struggle a lot with what's been going on. Um, I also live outside Boston, where we had a tremendous uh, rally in favor um, of the values that I hold dear, and also um, it was in response to a group of folks who I'm just going to go ahead and call them um, Nazis and white supremacists, um, a very small group who came to Boston, but the outpouring in response really saying that that those values are not welcome in our community was incredible. I think I heard something like 20 to 40,000 people showed up. Um, so this feels very much um, real, obviously, to all of us. And I also want to just share where I'm from, sort of my background and perspective, which is that I, I am a white woman and I'm a clinical social worker and as part of my training and my work, I spend a lot of time thinking about white privilege and what that means for me and my family and what it means to be an actively anti-racist individual. Um, but I'm also Jewish and my family is Jewish and so it's, it's a confusing mix of being part of a community with a, a history of oppression and also current anti-Semitism that is very much real and alive. The Holocaust Memorial in Boston was smashed for the second time this summer. Um, and so I, I walked that line of trying to figure out what does it mean to be a person with white privilege and also to be a member of um, a community that faces historical tremendous anti-Semitism and current anti-Semitism. So that's the perspective I bring to this conversation. It's hard. And in wherever you are, whatever perspective you're coming from, I mean, I think that's the, the idea is that we want to have dialogue. We want to have conversation. And I think yes. that's also one of the things that's really helped. We'll dive into a little bit, which is like we want to also have real conversations, too, and see kind of like what's going on really in your life. But so I have seven ideas here for you, dear listener, about ways to help you deal with this time when things get ugly. And then we're going to talk a little bit also about how to, you know, deal with it with your kids, too. But 
you know, as we say uh, again and again here, parenting really comes down to you, right? Like it comes like it's so much about you. How are you feeling in the world? How are you? Um, how are you in the world? Because kids are terrible doing what we say, but great at doing what we do. And they look to you and they living what you want your kids to learn is really the best thing. So there's there's a couple things here. And the first thing I want to offer out to you, dear listener, is that to help yourself get through this time, it's really important that you, that, you know, thinking about as you go into your day, the first thing in your day, I don't look at your phone the first thing in your day. I invite you to take the first moments of your day to get grounded first, right? First thing in the morning, don't look at your phone. Don't turn on the news. Don't turn on the TV right away. Just take some time first thing in the morning to practice, practice mindfulness, perhaps practice some affirmations, practice some positivity, practice appreciation, practice so that you feel comfortable in your skin, then you can have a sense of wellness and groundedness that can, that you can then take into the day so that you can respond to, to the world from a place of you know, relative well-being from a place of groundedness. So you can be there, you know, do that for your kids. So you can do that for the world. Do you have anything to add to that one, Carla? We'll, or we'll, we'll move through them. I, yeah, I, I do. And I, I, I love this idea um, of really focusing on our, ourselves first. And that can be relatively brief and it can happen throughout the course of the day in small moments. But the reason this is so powerful is, one of the first and most powerful lessons I learned as a young social worker was I, I was working on a locked inpatient psychiatric unit. And one of my supervisors said to me, look, at the end of the day, beneath everything else, beneath all the other feelings, people walk through this world feeling either fundamentally safe or fundamentally unsafe. And that dictates everything else that happens in their day. It's we, we cannot learn and grow and change and parent and be our best selves when we feel fundamentally unsafe. And right now, I think our world feels fundamentally significantly less safe than it did, you know, even a few months ago. And I think that this varies depending on, you know, who you are, what sort of what your place in this world is, your um, cultural background, your racial identity, your gender identity, your sexual orientation, where you live in the country, whether or not you have access to money. Um, all of these factors and so many more really impact whether or not we feel safe. And for many of us, even if you feel generally safe in the world, um, just turning on the news in the morning with everything that's happening and changing so fast um, can make us feel unsafe. And so I really love what Hunter said. Give yourself those few minutes of finding at least a few moments of feeling safe and grounded so that you will kind of have that to bolster you a little bit as you head out into the world and head out into your day. Um, and that will really, I think, help you just feel more solid Um and, and kind of, I feel like it's these moments of safety and, and breathing and presence and awareness and kindness that are kind of like antidotes to all the crap that's coming at us from, from the news, from all the things that are happening in the world. And, and sometimes we get lucky and that just, that just happens anyway. Like, you know, we'll stumble across some lovely piece of news or something, but let's not make it a get lucky thing. Let's make it an intentional thing that we can give to ourselves every day. Yes, 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 absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, Carla. So, so yeah, number two, the, the tip that I have for you that I would like you to take action on is to really to practice to notice your thoughts. 
And are your thoughts coming from a place of like fear or are they coming from love, right? There's kind of a continuum there. Where on the continuum are there? Are, are your thoughts coming from a place of scarcity or abundance? And this really drove home to me when I watched the videos uh, the other night and I saw these, these men. I mean, it really, I feel really sad like thinking about these men because they were chanting, you will not replace me, um, the white supremacist men, and you will not replace me. And I just, it makes me really sad to hear that because there's so much fear there and there's so much scarcity thinking. Like they just think there's not enough for everybody. Like we live in a world where there's only so much pie. And the truth is that there's more than enough for everybody in this world. And that we, as we create, you know, we can create more in our lives. And there's so much of everything. I mean, the, to, the evidence of the abundance of the world is just endless. Like you just look out the the sidewalk and you see like weeds growing through the cracks and you're like, wow, you know, there's life growing, growth, abundance even there. So I just feel like it's important to, to look at that, like what we can learn from these, this incident and these men is we we want to take this and not I want to invite us to take this and not just move into a place of judgment and condemnation but move into a place of learning what can we learn from them what can we learn to do or not do in our own lives and what I'm learning seeing from them is that they are really in a place of scarcity really in a place of fear and we need to practice the opposite of that. We need to practice generating love. We need to practice noticing the abundance in our life. We need to also, when I think about that idea of abundance, that idea like, you know, you look, you find what you're looking for. And I wonder, what are you looking for in life in some ways? You know, like, so in, like, if I'm going through the world and I'm looking for all the evidence of how, the world is unfair to me. I'm going to find that. But then on the same token, if I go through the world and I find all, look for all the evidence of kindness and look for the evidence of, of generosity and look for the evidence of abundance, I can find that too. I'm going to find that too. It's kind of like if you, if I asked you to look around your room right now or wherever you are and said, look for all the, the red that you can find, you'd be surprised how much red you'd say, Oh, I didn't know there was so much red in this room or whatever it is, you know? And then if I said, well, then look around and find all the green. And then you'd look around and you'd see that our brains notice are, are prime for us to, to find what we're looking for. And the, the world has everything that we are looking for. So I just want you to notice your thoughts, like notice. And it's, it's not that you're wrong or bad to have judgmental thoughts or and things like that. It's just like you, you can choose thoughts that are the opposite on the continuum of these thoughts of fear and these thoughts of scarcity. You can, you know, cultivate thoughts that are nourishing to you and your kids and our country. You know, some healthy skepticism in my life has served me well. And if you're like that, if you can spot a too good to be true health hack from about a mile away, you read labels like it's your job. Congratulations, you're a skeptic. And Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds your standards. I take Ritual's Essentials for Women 18 Plus every single day, morning and at lunch, and I am feeling great. I love this vitamin. 
Rituals Essentials for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. Plus, Ritual Vitamins are vegan, non-GMO, project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp, and made traceable. They select lower carbon packaging, they prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients, and set ambitious climate goals. Plus, Ritual is a female-founded B Corp, which means they are responsible to the health of people and our planet. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com mindful. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash mindful for 25% off. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Do you have anything to add to that? I do. Um, I have a few thoughts about noticing your thoughts, one might say. (laughs) One is, uh, I think, you know, what I really want to say is that please don't judge yourself for whatever you notice in your mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are so many reasons for this. But the first of all is there's there's no wrong thing to think right now. And there's no wrong way to feel right now. And for many of us, you know, for example, I just this past week, I showed my daughters what a swastika is. And we've been talking about the Holocaust. And they know they have members of their family who died in the Holocaust. And we were in a museum when I showed them the swastika. And I said, I hope you only ever see this symbol in a museum. And when you see it, you know, it's a symbol of hate. And we talked about that. And I had all sorts of thoughts and feelings about this, primarily fear, a huge amount of fear. And I don't know if that fear is logical or not. I don't know if that fear is grounded in reality. I don't know if I'm safe. Like fundamentally, I am so confused about what's happening in this country right now that I don't know how to feel. And so what I'm trying to do is make space for all of it and say, it's okay if one minute I feel safe and if one minute I feel terrified. Mm -hmm. But what I really care about, what I want to be concerned about is how I am letting that affect my behavior in the world, both towards my daughters, towards a stranger I meet on the street towards my husband and how I'm using that to um, engage in activism in ways that will support the values and the individuals that I want to support, but also um, keep me feeling energized and not burn me out or make me feel scared. And so the value of noticing your thoughts and feelings 
I think, is not necessarily to change them, right? But to know they're there so you can make a decision about whether or not you want those thoughts and feelings to uh, direct your behavior, which in some cases you might. Like maybe that anger is really motivating you. Uh, I have friends who are getting involved in local politics. I have friends who are going out and marching. I have friends who are donating money. My family and I are doing some version of lots of these things. Um, and so, or are these thoughts and feelings uh, making you feel tense and stressed? And so you're snapping at your kids, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we notice them, we can say, okay, so that's there. Like that's the tape playing in the back of my head. I need to like do a little bit of breathing or move my body or stretch or whatever it is so that, so that I can make some clear choices about how I want to respond to those thoughts and feelings. Um, and this is another place to just hold a huge amount of compassion for yourself because the world is changing so fast. And for many of us, I mean, I'm 40 years old and, you know, there's always sort of this uncurrent. I mean, of course, racism never went away. Anti-Semitism never went away. But this is a new thing in my lifetime. And so how are we supposed to know how to deal with this in the most effective way? I mean, yes, we can look to history and hopefully we will learn from the past. But hold compassion for yourselves. There's no handbook on exactly how to be a parent in this. I've never been a parent in this. We're all sort of figuring this out for the first time. So notice those thoughts and feelings and try to really um, – just hold them in a place of compassion and curiosity. Like what are you going to do with them and how do you want to respond to them in a way that takes care of you, takes care of your family and maybe makes the world a little bit of a better place. I love that. I love that. And that really segues right into the next one, which is practice openness uh, or slash non-judgment. And so this is, this really pertains to ourselves and it pertains to, I mean, it really pertains to what's going on for everybody right now, like practicing openness and non-judgment. It just means the idea of practicing curiosity, right? Practicing curiosity, because what we're seeing uh, on the side of the, you know, the rate, the racism and the the neo-Nazis is a huge amount of judgment, right? And the idea of this can be tricky to talk about practicing non-judgment because I'm not saying uh, don't use your discernment, don't like make decisions for yourself, nothing like that. What I'm saying is um, practice curiosity. I wonder what happened that made you this that made you this way, right? Like, because we're talking again and again that people kids are not born this way. Like nobody comes out of the womb with hate, and. So this curiosity, like, I wonder what it is that has made you this way. I wonder what the situation is like. And also we can practice this openness and non-judgment then also with our, with our children as well. Like, I, I wonder what's going on for you today rather than kind of, you know, maybe condemning them for whatever maybe bad behavior they're having. Um, and then with others, but this idea of just inviting in some curiosity can be hard to do when you're not feeling safe, can be hard to do when you're feeling threatened. Um, but the idea is we want to see each other's humanity. We want to see each other's suffering. And I think that's really important thing to remember at this time. So I'm going to offer a slight tweak on that. Because cool. I think that holding curiosity and being curious towards someone, for example, walking through my community holding a flag with a swastika on it, <laughs> that's uh, that's sort of advanced curiosity practice for me. Yeah, and I to be 
like in all honesty, I don't know if I'm there yet. Like really, yeah. I, I want them to go away. Like, and I want them to go away, not to somebody else's town, just away. Like, stop with it. Stop. Don't do that. Like, I'm not okay with that. And so I think that um, what I am aware of is that for me, my curiosity and acceptance practice, my focus is going to be on me and my children. Because for me, I'm still, I'm, I'm like a newbie in all this, right? I'm still like baby steps. And for me, just staying really open and curious and accepting of my own experience and then staying present for my children so I can do that. Like, I'm not a monk who's like, to me, it feels like, like, that's like the upper level course that I'm still in, like, you know, curiosity 101. And so I think that, again, staying curious about what do I need to feel safe in this community, this moment and feeling grounded and connected to my community, because that is, that is the basis for feeling empowered to make change. Right. And so hopefully I'm not saying to people, please don't like go out and like, and create more violence in the world. Like, obviously that's not what I want, but if you're in a place where you're like, I am not freaking curious about those guys. Um, that's okay. That, like, like, you know what I mean? If you're not there yet, I'm not there yet. I'm like, I they're just wrong. Like there is, I am judging them to be wrong. Like that is, that is the place I am in the world. And I'm sharing this with our listeners because this is a moment of acceptance for me. Like I am fundamentally not curious. Like there, mm-hmm. that's important. Like I think, there are people, I hope there are people, there are scholars and researchers and, and maybe people who are more evolved or can stay more detached from this. I want them to do the work of understanding where does this hate come from and how can we um, raise a next generation that does not share this hate. And fundamentally, we'll never erase it, right? Like this is back to biblical times, but whatever. But I think it is important that there are people in this world who are curious about it. And all I'm saying is, if you don't feel like you're in that place, that's okay. Like the the most powerful act of resistance some of us can do is taking care of ourselves and not letting the, the people who would espouse these values of hate, not letting them derail us. Right. And yeah. so continuing to stay focused on compassion and curiosity and acceptance within our family. Um, and so but if you are a person who's like, I, I want to sit down and have a conversation with one of these guys and understand them so we can get to a place of like mutual love and understand, go for it. I'm not that person. <laughs> so what but, you know, I think that, again, Hunter's point of curiosity and acceptance, that is such a powerful force for change. And you need to be very clear about what is your like arena of change? Where can you have impact? And if you feel like you're just barely getting through the day without crying because of some of the crap that's happening, that's okay. Start with yourself. And if you feel like you have the time and energy and emotional and psychological bandwidth to go out in the community and do more, go do that. Like we need, we need all of it. Yes. Yes. Thanks. Thanks for that. Um, yeah, absolutely. And as you're going through all this, as you're, you're thinking about all this, I, these ideas and, and, you know, depending on your bandwidth, you're, you know, engaging in maybe you're engaging in dialogue or maybe you're not engaging in dialogue and just keeping yourself grounded. I mean, really, honestly, Carla, like the, the, I was thinking about these, these people are really, they, they have so many parallels with 
terrorists, right? Like they're basically like the Taliban. They're oh, uh, lonely, they're, sad men. They are who domestic don't, terrorists. Yeah, they don't that that they don't have opportunities, and so they get sucked into this like crazy weird cult. I don't know. That's that's what I think. So the the best thing you can do to kind of is to like defy them is to live your life with peace and like continue to practice peace. And a, a way to do that absolutely was here we go. I don't know. I've lost my numbers, but the next one is to, t- to the, the best of your ability, to what, however this looks like in your life and your circumstances to take refuge, right? Turn off the TV in the radio for a little while. Like I give you permission in my house. We do a screen free day. We have a screen free Sunday. And I think this is a really great idea to take a whole day to take t- 24 hours to take 12 hours where you're not engaging with the news. Like, trust me, you, like, I didn't open my computer for that at all, like a week last week, right? And, you know, I have my smartphone or whatever. But the thing is, like, when important stuff happens, you'll hear about it. People will just tell you about it. Like, everything that's important will will happen. You know, you can, you can stay engaged, absolutely stay engaged, follow things, go, you know, go into the the news as much as, you know, as as you feel comfortable, but then balance that with taking refuge, take refuge in a screen free day, maybe even take a day long retreat or a weekend retreat, do some maybe reading that's spiritual, do some take time to just at the best of your ability, like I'm saying, like, I don't know what the situation is like for, you know, an African American woman, like in the South, maybe taking refuge is like staying home and, I don't know, watching Ren and Stimpy all morning. I don't know what it is, but like, take some time to t- Ren and Stimpy. Take- <laughs> I don't know why that came Red to mind. That's amazing. Where did that come from? <laughs> the deep recesses of my mind. <laughs> Ren and Stimpy. That's where we're going. <laughs> You're amazing. I love you. Um, <laughs> Look, this the refuge thing is so important, and I love that you brought this up. And I want to mention a couple things about it. Just first of all, I think we feel like um, that in order to stay engaged and active, we have to be up on the latest news. I would like to dispel that notion. Uh, more information is not necessarily better. You do not need the New York times or CNN or whatever, where you get, like you don't need those updates flashing on your phone. And I want to like give you an example of how this can stress you out. So I don't get any notifications on my phone unless it's a text message or it rings. I don't get a notification when an email comes in, nothing, but I downloaded the Google news app um, because I'm trying to figure out the best way to filter my news. So it doesn't make me crazy. And when I downloaded it, I forgot to turn off the notifications. And so this little square pops up on my screen that says president Trump, calls national crisis and this was like just as the charlottesville stuff was really coming to the news and i flipped out i was like my mind started spinning immediately like oh my god he's calling out the national guard this is it i need to take my family we need to get to canada like all of my stuff was completely triggered and then when i clicked on it i was like oh he's talking about the opioid epidemic like that's what he was Oh, man. Now, this is a, the opioid epidemic is like very serious and it's important, but it doesn't need to send me across the border to Canada right now. Right. So uh, immediately I was like, oh, I need to turn off these notifications. And so even though that was a small moment, 
when you expose yourself to those small moments over the course of a day because you turn on the radio news or you have the TV news in the background, like absolutely my adrenal system and my whatever cortisol, all that stuff was jacked up. My breathing was like, my heart rate went up and it like, it took several minutes for me to calm myself down. And that was completely unnecessary. So, you know, some of the things you can do to give yourself some refuge are you don't need to know the latest news the minute it happens. Right. So I love the NPR one app. It's a free app for iPhone and Android. And what you can do is turn it on and listen to the top of the hour news broadcast. Um, so even if you turn it on at say two fifteen or two forty five, it will give you the top of the hour news broadcast from 2 PM. And so you can get these short snippets. You can hear what's happening and then turn it off. So it's not like all of a sudden you just have the news blaring all day in the background and then you hear about something that totally triggers you. You can make a decision. It's time for me to check in for the news. I'm going to get these blurbs here if there's anything I really need to know and then turn it off. Mm -hmm. I do not watch Mm -hmm. TV news at all ever. I don't watch TV news. Never, ever. Um, I read the newspaper and uh, I read it online and I specifically chose a couple of apps that don't give me a lot of salacious images that really scare me and jerk me. And I think that just really noticing, like, when are the times that you are flooding yourself or your family with information that you don't need? Mm -hmm. And um, I love Hunter's idea. We also do screen free from Friday night to Saturday night um, where I don't have the radio on. I'm not checking my computer, you know, stuff like that. And so I would really encourage yourself to give yourself a break. And if you're saying, well, that's a super privileged perspective, this is the feedback I get a lot. That's a really privileged perspective to think that you can just step away from it all. And maybe it is like, I recognize that there are people in our, in our world who step outside and there is no refuge. The minute they step outside because of the way they look, whether you're a woman or a person of color or a Muslim woman who chooses to cover your head or whatever it may be, that the minute you step out of your house, there is no refuge. That's true. And all I can say is until we get our country to a place where it is safe for you too, it's even more important for you to find moments of refuge. And that is a privilege you are allowed to have. Mm-hmm. Like, please give that to yourself. And the more that you feel unsafe out in the world, you more you need to find these moments of refuge when you can in a way that works for you and your family. Yes. Yes. Take refuge. Take refuge, my friend. So, um, and then our next one is to, uh, we have three more. The next one is to take care of your fear and anger. Fear, people being unable to take care of their difficult feelings is as the heart of this whole darn thing. I wanted to use a stronger word there. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's the whole thing is like, there's a judgment coming up, there's fear, there's anger coming up, and people don't know how to take care of their fear and anger. And really, the thing is, like, we all have fear, we all have anger, it's normal, it's natural. But how do we take care of it? And this is where mindfulness really comes in, the mindful path of not repressing and shoving away our anger, not maybe blaming others for our anger, but trying to understand it, and own it in ourselves, like see, where is this feeling come from? and to breathe and practice, you know, taking care of it, maybe walking, all the different ways you take care of your anger. You may want to recognize, I'm I'm angry because of this, or, oh, I have fear because of this. And and then um, take some time to just breathe and feel how that, that feeling feels in your body. Notice how it feels. Notice maybe that your muscles are tense or notice that your jaw is tight. Notice those different things that how this fi- physically appears in the body 
And then take some time to like kind of understand it. Like, where is it coming from? I wonder where this is coming from. And practice that curiosity and in yourself. And then what can you do to nurture yourself? How can you offer yourself some compassion, offer yourself some nurturing, like offer yourself some, some love to what would you say to your own best friend or your, a dear loved one if they were experiencing the feelings you're feeling? And you can offer those words to yourself, but take time to take care care of those feelings. Don't just push through your day and do, you know, just take a few moments to take care of your feeler and anger. And when you do that, you're modeling for your children how to take care of fear and anger. You know, you, you show them like, oh, maybe you're, you take those side breaths and you tell them, you know, I'm, was feeling some, you know, feeling deep, difficult feelings. So I'm just kind of releasing them. And then kind of along with taking care of your fear and anger is that we can also like when and strong action we can take in this time is to help others take care of their fear by listening to their suffering. And that goes back to you getting grounded first, you taking refuge, you taking care of yourself. And then if you're in the place where you have the bandwidth, listening to someone else's suffering can really relieve their suffering greatly. And that's a really great action you can take. So this idea of like, let's, these are feelings, they're going to come up. Like, let's take the time to be deliberate about taking care of them. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, You'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. I I love all of this, and I think... Uh, everything you said is spot on. And I think the most important thing is to remember that no matter what you're feeling, uh, it's, it's okay. It might be unpleasant, but it's okay. And fundamentally you are not in control of your feelings. You aren't, they come, sometimes they come from a place that is predictable and makes sense. And sometimes it's like, where the hell did this come from? And whatever it is, it's okay. What perhaps is less okay. Um, and what we're trying to move away from is 
behaving in response to our feelings in unskillful ways. Um, and so what I would say to folks is that when we notice that we are filled with a strong emotion, um, that noticing is so powerful because it gives us the choice for how we want to respond. Um, and we can respond in a way that aligns with our values, that aligns with the way we want to parent, the way we want to be in the world. And that's really the goal. And it's not easy when you are overwhelmed by strong feelings. And so, again, this is that place for compassion. That when, when we have strong feelings, we're going to be less focused on what we're doing. We're going to be less um, effective and efficient. It's, it's just human nature. Like some amount of our energy and focus is going to be distracted by these strong feelings. So when we take care of them, when we find space to just be angry. I mean, what I do is I, I often angry sweep. Like my husband will become home and I'm like <laughs> frantically sweeping the floor and he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I am angry. And for me sweeping, I don't know, let's analyze the hell out of that some other time. But can you find a skillful way to just be like, I, I give yourself that space to be angry, whatever it looks like. Um, and there are times when you can't, when you have to go to work and, and do your job, when you have to be with your kids. And so in those cases, like, Lower your expectations if you can and be super compassionate with yourself because in these times when we have to devote time and energy to all these thoughts and feelings that are coming up through no fault of our own, like all this chaos is happening that, you know, you didn't cause it, but it's there and it's intruding on your life and it's real, then all you can do is remain sort of compassionate and forgiving to yourself that you are not functioning at your best because there's a lot going on that's being kicked up and triggered. Yes. And that's, that's life. Yes. Yeah. It's, 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 yeah, it's not easy. And if you, but any way you can take, take time to just take a little bit of time and take care of that, you know, that's, that's absolutely, it's kind of, it's like at the root of this whole thing, like absolutely and angry people. Yep. For sure. <sighs> Man. Um, so then we're on our, our, our next one is to practice clear seeing or to be really grounded in reality, right? So to practice being grounded in reality. And this is really helpful when we have the media that is, you know, it's kind of skewed. It can do, it can do a lot of things. Like one thing I was thinking of is that, you know, that my husband and I have been talking about a lot is like, I wonder really how many of these people are there. Like I was thinking about all the press, these like 600 you know, fringe people got when there were half a million of us in Washington, D.C. at the Women's March. Anyway, um, right. but but basically the idea of practice clear seeing, like, what do you, exp you know, it's both of these things, right? Like, I know that you, we may kind of live in a bubble in our own lives, but look in your own life, like, what is really happening? What is real right now in your own life? Where, you know, is there really a a crisis right now in your own life, like the chances are no, you can, you know, appreciate maybe what is night, what is going well in your life, but like be grounded in what you is real in your life because it's important to really, it's a paradox, right? They're both true. It's both true that you can, you know, that you might live in a protected bubble and that things are good in your own life and things are not great for other people in their lives. Like that may be true, but it also may be true um, that, you know, that, that what's real for you, you know, that the media can skew things and, and maybe showing you a lot of things that are, you know, we're seeing the worst of the worst, right? We're seeing in the media, the worst and the worst. So that is also true too. But like, it's also true that that may be real, real things that are happening. So it's kind of like a balance, right? I, I, you know, you have to balance out like 
clear seeing what's really real in your own life, um, looking around you, being grounded in reality, and being open to, you know, being learning about what is going on elsewhere. This is a tough one. I don't know. What do you think, Carla? I think this is a really important one, and it's a really hard one, um, because, like, how do you, how do you know, you know, is, is my, like, what do I believe? And there's like fake news and the president says stuff is fake news that I don't think is fake news, but there's actually really fake news. And like, what is real and what is not that? And, you know, and then we could get in this whole philosophical thing about your truth and my truth. It's very confusing. And so what I would say is this is when it's so important to get reality checks from people you trust who are in your community, who are in a place where they are hopefully grounded. Like I wouldn't check in with the person who's spinning out of control and overwhelmed with anxiety. That's probably not going to be helpful. But most of us have a sense of when we are spinning and when we feel grounded. And so we need those times to feel grounded. We need to not believe everything we're thinking right now and really spend some time noticing our thoughts so we can figure out like which of those thoughts are skillful and helpful and which ones aren't. And then I think that's really a time for this mindfulness practice of, okay, what exactly do I know? All right. What I know is that there is a resurgence of anti-Semitism, of um, hate groups, of white nationalists and white supremacists. What I also know is that I see a tremendous thousands and thousands of people across this country, both and and a significant portion of our leadership is also standing up and saying this Mm -hmm. isn't okay. Right. Mm -hmm. What I also know in my family, in my community, is that this morning I needed to get up and get my kids to camp. Like I needed to get up and move through my day and continue to take care of myself and not overexpose myself to media to like, you know, make sure I'm getting enough sleep because boy, our minds can really get messed up when we're not getting enough sleep. Like, so I, again, I think, and what I do, honestly, the person I check in with when I need a reality check is my husband. And the reason I pick him is because I know that we have similar values. I know that he also reads a lot of stuff on both sides of the equation and that he's interested in this stuff and that I value his perspective. And so I say, what do you think? Like, I saw this headline. I read this article. I don't know what to make of it. Like, Bannon left the White House. What the hell does that mean? I don't know. And so he talks to me about all the things he reads and he's helpful and he doesn't get he doesn't trigger my anxiety and make me more anxious, but he doesn't like smooth things out for me either. And so I would hope that each of us could find somebody in our lives like that, whether it's a friend or um, a, a news commentator that you trust or, you know, someone in your community, a, a pastor or a rabbi or a minister that you can go to and, and listen to in times where you're like, I just need a reality check. And what you want is somebody who does come from a similar value system as you, who is familiar with the community in which you live um, and who isn't going to trigger your anxiety because there are ways to talk about this that don't trigger even more big feelings. And so what I would say is don't stay in your own little bubble because you need you need to talk to people who can sort of um, you can bounce ideas off of and feel connected and if the best you can do is come away and say, well, none of us know what the hell is going on because we're all confused, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But knowing that you're not alone in that confusion is way, way better than sitting alone and, and spinning. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So just check in. Check in with reality. What is real right now in front of you? You know, what yeah. is real? Be grounded in that. And and I, you said it um, uh 
sort of quickly, but I want to underscore that sometimes our, you know, a lot of times, God, I mean, probably a lot. Anyway, our thoughts are not always the truth. And that's really important to remember, too, is that, you know, we should question our thoughts because thoughts come, all kinds of crazy thoughts come to everybody. And, you know, we should question that as too. But be grounded in reality. What am I feeling right now? What am I seeing right now? What's really real? All right, cool. And we're finally at our last one. And this kind of comes after all these things. Like it comes after get grounded first, notice your thoughts, practice non-judgment as best you can, take care of your fear and anger, take refuge, practice clear seeing. And when you've done all these things, and you know, you don't have to have like kind of gone through everything to do this, but to take thoughtful action, you know? Oh, yes. And this, and this can be range, this can be uh, you know, whole range, everything from just offering smiles, offering kindness to people you see out in the world, to like Carla said, like your friend running for office, like it can be the whole range of those things. But what are those? What is a thoughtful action you can take that is based in love, right? That is based in wanting to make the world better from a a place of love or peace rather than fear, right? How can you connect with others? How can you seek to understand others? Um, and what can you do in your own life? And if that is just, you know, offering kindness to other people you see or, or to your children or being extra cuddly with your children or being extra loving with your children or, or attentive to them or the people around you, that's wonderful. That's an incredible thing to do. And it can have ripple effects. So, um, you know, take, take some, some action that's thoughtful, that's kind. I, I love this. And then what I would really encourage folks to do is, is make sure that the, the basis for that action is, is self-care. Um, and I think that what I've seen for the past several months since the outcome of the election last fall um, is what I, I, I've sort of come to think of as frantic, reactive activism. Like people freaked out and were like, I've got to do something. And I love the I've got to do something. Like I think every single one of us has a responsibility to do something. But for some of us, what that means is the extent of that is focusing on self-care. Hey, guys, Hunter here. Carla's phone completely conked out at the end of our call, but I'm glad we got to record as much as we did. We were talking and she was saying that taking thoughtful action can really uh, include anything from taking radical self-care for yourself or, you know, taking action out in the world. And that might change day to day. Also, I know that we didn't talk about how to talk about this with your children. And so this podcast got long. There was so much to talk about with this that we're going to put some tips on how to talk about this mindfully with your children on the show notes for this episode. And that will be under mindfulmamapodcast.com. And it's episode 79. So I hope you got a lot out of this, my friend. I hope that this helps. This is my way of taking thoughtful action is to share my thoughts with this Um, with you. And uh, I'm just going to review what we talked about today, which was, you know, get grounded first, really take care of yourself. Don't open the phone right away. Don't turn on the news right away. Take some time, the first thing you do, to put yourself in a positive, grounded place. Notice your thoughts. Notice if you're coming from scarcity or abundance, from fear or love. Notice 
what your brain is looking for. And, you know, thoughts will come. Don't judge yourself for your thoughts, right? Moving to then practice openness, non-judgment. And that may just be for you and your thoughts, you know? Um, it may be that you're practicing non-judgment with your children. Or it may you may be able to practice curiosity for the other side and see where do they are, are they coming from. Take refuge, turn off the TV and the radio, take a screen-free day, take time to nurture yourself, take time for retreat. You don't have to be in it 24-7. Take care of your fear and anger, model that for your children. Taking care of your suffering is really, really vital. And then you may even be able to help others by listening to their suffering. Practice clear seeing, practice being grounded in reality, what's really real for you in your life right now. And then finally, take that thoughtful action. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope it helped you. Um, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at hunter at hunterclarkfields.com. That's hunterclarkfields, Clark with an E, fields with an S, dot com. If you enjoy the podcast, if it's been helpfully for, for you, let us know by leaving a rating, leaving a review. And I want to thank, as always, William Fields for the music. So I want to thank you, my friend. Do these things. Take care of yourself at this time. It's it's so important. And, um, and there's just a quote I kind of wanted to end with. And this is a quote from Martin Luther King Jr., I refuse to accept the view that mankind is so tragically bound to the starless midnight of racism and war that the bright daybreak of peace and brotherhood can never become a reality. I believe that unarmed truth and unconditional love will have the final word. Thank you so much for listening, my friend. Namaste. Lynn, this time of year, parenting can be such a fluster clucks. You've come to the right place. I'm Lynn Lyons, and I've been treating anxious families for over 30 years. I'm Lynn's sister-in-law and co-host Robin Hudson. Join us for Fluster Clucks, a podcast for parents who worry. Wait, that's everybody. Yeah, these last few years have felt like one long anxiety attack for so many. Why do you think parents are always surprised that a podcast about anxiety relates to them, even if no one in their house has an anxiety disorder? Well, worry is human. Everyone does it. And anxiety shows up when we face uncertainty. All the parenting tips you've taught me have been essential. I love to break it down into skills we need to manage worry in our families. We've covered so many topics, depression, burnout, meltdowns, perfectionism. Don't forget scary mothers-in-law. Right, but of course that's not my mother-in-law. Because that's my mother. And a listener. As a psychotherapist, I like to teach parents and kids how to respond to everyday moments in healthy ways. Managing anxiety really can be taught. It really can. And I'll even tell you what to say. We talk about serious stuff, but without being too serious. Anxiety wants everything serious. Anxiety doesn't stand a chance when we're laughing, even about the tough stuff.